0: We are repentant, we are grateful, we are redeemed, we are prayerful, we are First Baptist Church. Good morning Logos family. It's Danny here once again in my living room with you. So whether you're in the space of 4th Street or at home, it is good to be with you today. Um, Just by way of update, last week I tested positive for COVID. At that point, I had had zero symptoms. I have since manifested a few symptoms. I get tired pretty quickly, so if I start dozing off, uh, forgive me for that. Um, But also, I have lost my ability to smell, and my taste has been blunted, which is not really that cool. But uh, hopeful and praying that my symptoms stay very mild, and so that I and my family can get better soon so we can get back to some sense of normal rhythms, whatever that means during this season. But it is good to be together for worship if you're new with us today. Again, I'm Danny, one of the pastors here at First Baptist. We're glad that you're with us too. We'd love to begin a relationship with you. And the easiest way to do that is for you to go to fbcsa.org slash connect and drop us a line, let us know that you are here with us and we'll make contact with you at a later time. But we are in this series called Remarkable, and we are looking at the first three chapters of the Gospel of Mark, and what we've discovered so far, in part, is that Mark presents to us these conflicts that Jesus has um, with between himself and Pharisees and scribes and, and others, and the important part of these conflicts is most of the time you're walking away understanding more about who Jesus is the person remember we've been talking about the person the mission and the method of Jesus and this very much falls in line with the person of Jesus who is Jesus revealing himself to be in his conflict with the Pharisees and um, they don't like they don't like uh, Jesus at all for a variety of reasons we'll talk about that in a second but So now we're in Mark chapter two, verses 23 through 28. So if you would stand with me and read this scripture so we can read it together, we can get started. Let's read. Verse 23. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, "The Sabbath was not was the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath." So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, Lord, bless the reading of your word. Um, Help us to listen and to be changed by it. Help us to apply it to our life. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Well, we know that the Pharisees had it out for Jesus. Um, They had initiated this campaign almost from the very beginning to expose Jesus' for the charlatan that they believed that he was. They had several things against him, but one of the things that they had against him is they didn't believe that he really loved the law, that he adhered to the law. They thought he was a law breaker. And so they were looking for ways uh, to expose that Jesus didn't honor the law of Moses uh, and uh, didn't honor Uh, what God had revealed to the people of Israel in the giving of his law. And this certainly is the case here, uh, where they observe what the disciples are doing. And so in their efforts to expose Jesus, they're following them around, scrutinizing everything that they're doing, looking for their opportunity to say, aha, look, you're a lawbreaker. You don't adhere to the law of Moses. Uh, And so what happens is, On the Sabbath day, Jesus and his disciples are going from point A to point B. I mean, their schedule is full of loving and ministering and teaching and preaching and healing. And on their way, they walk through a grain field and because they're hungry, um, they pick heads of grain with their hands and eat it as a snack or as lunch. And the Pharisees considered this to be harvesting or work reaping. And they were incensed and very angry with the apostles and with Jesus. And this was their opportunity uh, to pin him down. And so um, they confront Jesus about the breaking of the Sabbath day law. And let me just add that We know from Exodus and the giving of the law that the Sabbath day was a really big deal. In fact, punishable by death. There are examples in the Old Testament, Numbers 15 in particular, where we see this man carrying uh, sticks for a fire, lumber for a fire, who is condemned to death because he broke the Sabbath day law. Um, By no means is Jesus minimizing uh, the significance of Sabbath. We know it's a big deal and it's serious, Business and certainly it was for the Pharisees. In fact, it was such a significant deal for the Pharisees and even generations before them that there was this oral tradition that had arisen around Sabbath day law, among other laws. Um, And this oral tradition identified 39 different categories of ways that you should not work or afford even the appearance of working. It was a lot of minutiae and detail of things not to do uh, so that you could not be condemned for working and taking for granted Sabbath day law. And so it really leads to a great question. Uh, Again, remember last week I said, good questions lead to good answers. And especially when it comes to Jesus, it's an opportunity for him to teach and uh, reveal a little more about himself. No matter uh, how much they hated him for it, Uh, this is an opportunity to hear a good response from Jesus. And today's no different. Uh, Why aren't your disciples observing Sabbath day law and even all these oral traditions that are customary and traditional in our society today? Why don't they care about the things that we care about? Uh, Jesus, why don't you care about the law of Moses? So really, it is a good question to ask, like last week's question was a good question. And once again, Jesus's answer is not what they would expect at all. And so Jesus's answer is in verses 25 through 26. He says, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? And so Jesus takes a story, a historical account of David who would become king and his men, uh, at this point, uh, David is kind of on the wrong, the run from Saul. Uh, he doesn't have many places he can go, but he does have an ally in this priest, this high priest of the tabernacle. And so um, David goes to the high priest and says, do you have anything for us to eat? And the high priest says, well, not really, except I have this showbread. Now, the showbread was special dedicated bread that was given to the Lord as an offering. And uh, only the high priest or the priest could eat of this bread. For anyone else, it was forbidden. So Jesus points back to this historical example that they probably know pretty well and says, how about David? He did something that was forbidden. Now, I'm telling you, this probably infuriated them. This was not the, the answer Um, the response that they were expecting from Jesus. I mean, none of his responses ever are, Um, but especially this one, uh, they probably were infuriated by this example uh, for a number of reasons. But the first major reason is that Jesus is comparing himself to David. Now, in the mind uh, of a faithful Jewish man, David looms large in the same way that Abraham does and Moses does. I mean, God gave uh, King David a a brand new covenant, a promise uh, to David. and So uh, David, the man after God's own heart who received a covenant from God is significantly huge in the mind of the Jewish man and woman, certainly these Pharisees. And they had to be thinking, wait a minute, you're comparing yourself to David um, now this should be a light bulb for us as we read this: is that that Jesus is about to say something significant about himself in just a moment, and that he's comparing himself to King David. The other thing that probably uh, really bothered them is that the Pharisees would not condemn David in this account for a number of reasons. Um, the high priest who gave them the bread didn't condemn David and his men in this story. God Himself, as far as we're aware, did not condemn David and. Contemporarily, these Pharisees who knew this account, who studied the law, nor did they condemn King David because of who he was. And so the unspoken expectation here from Jesus, or question is, well, if you won't condemn David, why do you go to way to condemn me? So they were probably been out of shape by that. He has just switched roles with them. So he doesn't stop there, does he? But he goes on in verse 27. In verse 27, he says, Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So Jesus presses on and does something again what they don't expect. And the audacity that Jesus has. If they weren't mad before, they are certainly infuriated now because Jesus now begins to teach the experts of the law the proper interpretation of the law. Now, to be clear, uh, Jesus was really bothered. uh, In the way that they were bothered that he wasn't observing the law the way they wanted him to, uh, Jesus was even more bothered by the way that they interpreted the law. And how had they interpreted the law along with all the oral traditions that had grown up around Sabbath day law among others? Um, Jesus was really bent out of shape in that the Sabbath had become a constraint and a burden on the people rather than what it was intended. All the minor details and minutia of what not to do, what to avoid the appearance of, all of those things resulted in two uh, two things. One is this sense of self-righteousness, the ability to obey all the minutia of the law and be able to say, God, look and see what I cannot do on the Sabbath. And two, it led to judgment and scrutiny over everything you did. And can, so you can imagine the burden that that put on the people. Uh, the, um, it didn't lead to freedom or joy or devotion. It led to constraint and burden, And Jesus um, was very troubled and angered about how they interpreted the law and the effect that it had on people. It's kind of like if I were to take my family to a ranch, which we do once or twice a year. We have some friends who own a sizable piece of property, and it's beautiful. Uh, Cattle, horses, uh, barns, uh, it's a, a great spot. But it's like if I were to take my kids to the ranch and along the way, I would say, folks, when we get there, oh, we're gonna do nothing. We're just gonna rest. And then we get to the ranch and the managers of the ranch, knowing the uh, the, the vision I had for our time there to do nothing, they would interpret that and say, well, okay, um, we're gonna help you do nothing. So what you can do is that you can sit on the porch in a chair and you can go to your room. Those are the two things you can do. You can go to your room, to the chair. And whatever you do, you have to stay on the porch. In fact, we're, we're going to help you do nothing. Uh, avoid you doing anything. Um, well, as you can imagine, that's not exactly what I meant by nothing. Uh, what I meant by nothing was we're going to set aside the normal rhythms and schedules that we have to go enjoy our time of freedom on the ranch, Um, to do s'mores, to go for horse rides, uh, to get on the Polaris and drive across the property, to throw the football, to eat good food, to laugh together, to enjoy one another without uh, the the hectic schedule of work and everything. The, The going to the ranch was a gift to enjoy, three or four days of complete freedom to devote it to that. And the Pharisees had taken a law that was intended to be a gift, um, a day that people could devote themselves to the Lord and had made it a burden. You can't do anything. That's exact opposite of what Jesus uh, wanted for people to experience on the Sabbath. And that's why he says the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, or the Sabbath was made for man to enjoy. Uh, The Sabbath was made for your freedom, and not freedom to do whatever you wanted, to do evil, but the freedom to do what you were made to do, to have fellowship with God and fellowship with others, to fulfill the two great commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself to enjoy God's creation and the fruits of the labor that he's given you. And so Jesus is saying, you have robbed the people of the intent of the Sabbath. You have incorrectly interpreted Sabbath law, and it has become a burden rather than what God had planned for it from the very, from the very beginning. And so as you can imagine, Jesus was angry, just like they were angry just he had righteous reasons to be angry psalm 119 verse 45 says this about the law listen i will walk in freedom for i have devoted myself to your commandments the writer of psalm 119 the whole song is about loving god's word and the joy and freedom that it gives him as he observes the commandments. That's what Jesus intends for the Sabbath. That's his interpretation of the Sabbath, is that the Sabbath is to fill us with joy and freedom to know God and to love one another. That's what he hopes for the Sabbath, and that's what he is trying to correct them and their wrong interpretation, man-centered interpretation of Sabbath Law. Again, he's not done. So, up to this point, he has told them, I'm like David, and the way that you refuse to condemn David for what he did with his men and eating of the showbread, you shouldn't be condemning me either. Um, And also, he has now said, Let me correct your interpretation of the law and let me give you a proper perspective of Sabbath day law. And now, It's the big reveal where Jesus is gonna say something about himself and how he relates to the Sabbath law. This is in verse 28. So the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. What in the world does Jesus mean by that? This is my interpretation of what Jesus is trying to communicate very clearly, aside from the screaming allusion to Son of Man, which is a reference back to Ezekiel, which points to that divine being that Daniel sees, who looks like a man, who descends and looks like a man. Uh, That is reference to the divine Messiah. Uh, Jesus essentially saying, that's who I am. That's part of the big reveal. But he says, the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. So this is how I interpret that. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, and he is saying, the reason why I have the correct interpretation of Sabbath law is because it was my idea at the very beginning. I created it. I gave it to the people of Israel. It's Jesus saying, you want to know why I know what I'm talking about? Because I am the Sabbath the Sabbath's author. And I alone have the authority to interpret it rightly. I alone have the authority to correct you and how you've interpreted incorrectly. I alone have the authority as its author and its perfecter. It's almost like um, Jesus is saying to us as we go to the ranch, hey, I've given you this time to go to the ranch. I know the best way to use it. You want to know why? Because I created the ranch. You know, that's exactly what Jesus is trying to say here to these Pharisees. I know what's best because I am the author of this command. I know how best to use it in its proper intent. Uh, That's not all that Jesus is saying here. I think there is some other truths that we know this side of the gospel, right? We, we know Jesus came to, to live a life without sin, to die on the cross and rise from the grave. We know that Jesus ultimately is the fulfillment of the law. Now remember, um, one of the main criticisms of the Pharisees about Jesus was his teaching about the law, uh, that somehow they believed that he uh, was twisting Uh, the interpretations of the law, uh, that he did not appreciate the law, that he was trying to do away with the law and subvert the law. Um, But that's not what Jesus came to do at all, was it? In fact, in Matthew 5, 17, uh, what does he say? He says, listen, I haven't come to do away with the prophets and the law. I have come to fulfill its purpose. And we know because of who Jesus is that Jesus himself is the fulfillment of the law. It's his righteousness that becomes our own and fulfills the law's demands in our life. Even the Sabbath day laws are fulfilled through Jesus. So Jesus is saying something profound about who he is as a person, that he is Lord of the Sabbath. He is its originator, its creator. and It was given to us as a gift. And not only is he the giver, the author of the Sabbath, but he also is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. That's what he means by being Lord over the Sabbath. I have the authority to properly interpret it and I alone will fulfill the demands of Sabbath law in the lives of those who love me, follow me, uh, and put their faith in me. Wow, that's significant, that's significant. And the Pharisees hated him for it all the more. Uh, They were bothered by the fact that he would compare himself to David. Uh, They were bothered by the fact that they, that he would correct them in their interpretation of the law and they are incensed that now he is making the claim that he is the son of man who is Lord over the Sabbath. And so this has important ramifications for us. If you're a follower of Jesus, It just reminds us that we can't make Jesus small in our life. He can't be little. Uh, Jesus has to loom large. And and so it begs questions for us. And the things that we do, are we making much of Jesus or more of what we do for ourselves? Uh, Are we leading other people to make much of Jesus, to know him, to devote themselves to him? Or are we creating burdens for people Uh, oh, you've gotta do this, you've gotta do that if you wanna be a good Christian. Uh, Ultimately, what makes us a good Christian is our faith and pursuit of Jesus and looking to him for our righteousness. And I hope that's true of you and true of me. Let us make much of Jesus together. In the same way that Jesus made much of himself, uh, let's devote ourselves to him in every way. May we love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. And may we lead others to do the same. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, this conflict between the Pharisees and Jesus, where Jesus reveals more of who he is as a person. Help us to see that and savor that about Jesus. Lord, may he be big in our life. May we not minimize him, uh, but may we love him and make much of him in our life. Forgive us when we don't. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Our expectation is that you respond to God. You might need to uh, repent and ask God to forgive you where you've made Jesus small, where you've elevated your own good deeds, your own self-righteousness above him. Let me encourage you to not just repent, but return to Jesus, Um, love him, put your faith in him. May he be the fulfillment of of the law in your life uh, as you walk with him. And church family, uh, may we consistently point people to Jesus rather than the things we can accomplish for ourselves. Uh, Let's be faithful to point people to him.